Hello and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon here with my friend Anne Chavruta Yerdena Azband. Our daf of the day, Masachat Sota, daf kaf hey, page 25. Um, page 25 is going to relate back to the Mishnah, still the same Mishnah, um, or the most recent Mishnah, the very long one. The second very long one. Sorry, we've had these very long Mishnah. Um, and we have two dilemmas on this daf, and then Ahmed Aleph is long and Ahmed Bet is short. So we're going to start here with the first dilemma. Ibailahu, namely, overt al dat. You have a woman who goes against dat. Dat meaning religion, meaning there's some some issue of halacha, right, or practice, custom, and it pertains specifically in this context to issues of modesty, right? Can she then be divorced without? Meaning the reason that they're getting divorced ostensibly is because she has veil- violated these practices or precepts of halacha, specifically with regard to modesty. D- can she then be divorced without the ketubah or enot tzricha? Or do you not need, or, or, or um, is she not giving up that right? Meaning the issue is seems to be how much do other complaints about modesty, you know, aligned, aligned with the warning that goes into the issue of her uh, you know, becoming a ketzota and so on, right? Meaning that warning is part and parcel of the status of she's going to get divorced without a ketubah. So what if it's not so far gone as a suspected adultery, but it is some kind of modesty issue, right? Is that behavior going to leave her forfeiting her ketubah? Me amrinan, kevan doveret aldat hilo So then the one says, you know, are we saying that because she's violated whatever it is that these, she's violated, this kind of thing, that she doesn't need some kind of warning, meaning to give her some kind of warning to stop this behavior if she doesn't want to leave the ksuba to, to, to lose it? Or are we going to say that she needs that warning so that she can do this chuva and then she'll, like, it'll, it'll, meaning she can come back from it? Right? Is the is it that she doesn't need a war- warning at all, and that would mean that she could end up losing the tuba, or that she in fact, in fact, needs that warning so that she can have the choice of doing tshuva, you know, not continuing in that way, and then in the event that she doesn't do tshuva, okay, too bad for her, or if she does, then she we move on and there's no issue. Tashma, our answers. We have a proof. The proof, namely, from the Mishnah Arusa. Meaning we have these cases of a, of a betrothed woman and a, wood, a widow who's waiting for Yavam and where they explicitly right, do not drink the water and they do not get the So the issue though is that those cases you could say, well, she's not drinking, but she still has a warning against that kind of seclusion. And maybe then she wasn't, you know, maybe she doesn't go that far to continue to seclude or you know, the question is, why would you ever warn her if it weren't for the sake of making sure that, you know, in the event she continued in the practice, she would then lose the ketubah. Meaning, isn't that the whole point? She gets that warning for the sake of establishing that this is a willful behavior on her part to the extent that she then would not get the ketubah. Because those are the cases where she's not a wife to begin with, so she's not going to be obligated to drink to begin with. Amar Abai. No, 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 no. The warning is specifically la usa ala la osra. Excuse me, la osra alav. That warning 
sets up a situation where the woman is then prohibited to the man in question. Rav Papa So Rav Papa says, hang on, the whole reason we have the warning is that then she would drink. She would have to have that drink if she were in fact secluded again the second time when she's married, right? But Abaya's point is we're talking about prohibiting her from the man before she's married. Repubba's proof, Kiditanya, Ain Mekanin La Rusalash Kotakeshi Arusa, Aval Mekanin La Rusalash Kotakeshi Nisua. His proof is exactly a break that says you did not give a warning to a to one to a woman who is betrothed because she's not going to have that drink. But you do give that warning to a betrothed woman to to give her the drink after she would then be married. Again, I want to know why she's marrying this guy if he's already, you know, in the process of bringing her up on charges of being a sota. Ama Rava. So Rava has a different suggestion. Tashma, come in here. Meaning, forget those, exi- not forget, Rava's not saying forget them, he's saying, let's pay attention to the, a different part of that Mishnah. Instead of focusing on the part of the Mishnah that talks about these women who are not yet married, let's look at the women who are married, even though their marriages are prohibited, but they're married, and so they do count as wives, and they also don't drink um, and don't get their ksubot. The Gemara goes on. The Gemara says, well, she's not going to drink, but she can still end up being warned against this yichud, this seclusion with another man. And why would he, why would we ever have that warning if she's never, ever going to drink? The point then is that that warning functions to make the woman prohibited. Meaning you want to say that they're going to set them up to prohibit the women to them, you know, in future mar- in future relations. So aren't they already prohibited? That's the whole point. That these are the rela- these are the marriages were ne- that were never supposed to happen. So rather, doesn't it seem that it's supposed to be to give up? It's going to establish the woman as forfeiting her ketubah because because this behavior puts her in this zone of not being eligible to collect the ketubah. Amar Vihudami Diskarta, Rabbi Yehudah Diskarta says, Lo, la osral boel kiva'al. So really the issue of the warning is to make her forbidden to the to the affair person, right? The the I don't know why I'm not coming up with a word for this person, right? The person with whom she's having this ostensible affair, and once she's given that warning, then for sure he's he's pro, like really prohibited in a different kind of way. And it's not only that she's going to be prohibited to the husband, but she's also going to be prohibited to the boel, to the person with whom she would be having this affair. It's not boel. The idea that we have the, the statement that anybody who commits adultery is then prohibited to go back to the original husband, but also prohibited from setting up shop uh, or new life with the the paramour. How's that for a word? Um, and one more. Amir Rav Khanina Misura. Rav Khanina Misura suggests What about those women about for whom the court gives a warning? Meaning where, for whatever reason, in the process of, of being married, the husband becomes a deaf mute or it loses cognitive abilities or is incarcerated so that, again, in this event of this warning, she's still not going to end up being 
She's not going to drink the water. The whole point there is to not to get her to drink, but to exempt the requirement of paying the ksuba. So the Gemara says, okay, so from this, we understand that in fact, there does need to be a warning on this promiscuous behavior to make sure that in the event that she would, because um, it will engender an action, namely, or, or a deficit, right? She's going to lose that ketuba. She has to be warned first to be to be put in the category of look out or you're going to lose your ketuba, um, as opposed to simply removing it from her otherwise. Yeah, and I think these are like interesting scenarios. What they're really trying to tease out here is how necessary is warning to the process. And in a certain way, you kind of would want there to have to be warning, like at least I would, because I think the warning in a way protects the wife, as opposed to just being able to say, you know, uh, you know, oh, I, I think you buy like, does it become subjective then what she violated? I don't know. I feel like there's a formality to the warning that maybe needs to be there. So my question is that this piece of Gemara that I read begins with overt aldat, somebody who violates practice. And we understand it's about modesty, but is it really always going to be a matter of seclusion? And we understand why seclusion is a hint to an affair, which is a like ostensibly a, adultery, which is very severe. But we talk about, we use that word dot. It shows up elsewhere. It shows up in Ketubo, right? In this question of right? somebody who is, you know, violating the practice of how people conducted themselves. And I want to know like how far, you know, does that warning need to apply for those things also? Can she lose her ketubah for wearing too short of a skirt, for talking too loud in the marketplace, like for not covering her hair? Meaning all of those kinds of examples that we have from back then where dot, the word is employed. I just, I'm curious about the opening of the Gemara. All of the cases of the Gemara in the context of this Mishnah make perfect sense to me. That warning, as you said, like you don't want to punish her without giving her the opportunity to redeem herself, right? To make herself you know, not subject to that punishment. But I don't have an answer as to what exactly, how far does that go for other for other behaviors? Yeah, and I agree with you. It's interesting that the word dot is chosen here because again, this would be a dissertation or paper topic to trace the use of it in the Gemara and, you know, how do they inform each other within each context? Uh, I'm going to move on now to Ahmed Bed. I just want to point out the second dilemma that's raised here is Ibailuhu, Baal Shemachal Akinuno, this is on Ahmed Aleph, Right. So if a husband who gave a warning to his wife retracts his warning, right, and he basically doesn't want his wife to become a sota, is that warning retracted, right? Or does it not retract it, right? Or do we say, right, me amrinam bikinui debalt talat rahmana, ubalha machale likinui, odim akanile me kara, lo mati machile, right? Do we basically say, that you know that once has once you do we say that god basically made acquiring the status of a sota dependent on the husband's warning and then the husband retracted his warning so she won't be a sota or once he warns her he can no longer actually uh retract that warning and so the gemara wants to try to figure this out um they compared so much of these cases where there is a, a have to warning, right? We had those cases in the mission itself about a husband who's a, uh, who's a deaf mute, who's a shota, that the court sort of has to do it 
um, the court has to uh, sort of do the warning uh, for them, um, but they reject that you can make you can deduce anything uh, from the um, from the Mishnah itself. Um, but the piece that I wanted to read that I thought was a little bit um, that I personally thought uh, was interesting was uh, was a little bit later on uh, where it says uh, where it says the following. Uh, so Rabbi Yoshia says there were three things that he learned from Zera, okay, from the men of Yerushalayim. The husband retracts his warning, his warning is retracted. Right? So let's say you have a rebellious elder. This is the case of the Zakin Mamre, and the court wants to forgive him, the court can forgive him. He's supposed to be killed, right? Ubenso or Mora, right? The rebellious son, if his parents want to forgive him, we allow him to be forgiven. So in other words, all of three, these three are cases where there is, uh, especially the one of the Benso or Mora and the one of the Sota, there's a breakdown in a particular bond. I would say also Zakin, Zakain Mamre, like in other words, you have an elder who's respected and that respect is no longer there. Very serious charges are, you know, weighed against that person. And then the question is like, once you start that ball rolling, are you allowed to retract or not allowed to retract? And on the one hand, I think we can make an argument like, of course you would want them to be able to forgive it to retract. But I think it's actually protective in a way to maybe entertain the possibility that you can't because if you can retract, right, if you can retract, then sort of like anybody can bring up, you know, charges against someone and then like, oh, you know what, I forgive them. Oh, I don't, you know, I, I, I didn't really mean for her to have to become a Sota. Like it, it'll, that, un, that lack of possibility of forgiveness or of retraction makes people, I think, have to think really hard if that is something they want to do. And then he goes on to say, that when he discussed this with his colleagues in the South, they ended up agreeing with him uh, only with the case of the Sota and with the um, uh, the Sota and with the Ben Saramora, but not with the case of Zakin Mamre. And again, I think one of the reasons may be is that the Sota and the and the Ben Saramora has to do with the breakdown of family relations. So maybe we do allow because ultimately we want there to be Shalom bias, whereas the case of the Zakin Mamre is more of a, you know, a broader community issue. That That's, you know, one thing that I, uh, that maybe I would say this. So the Gemara is going to go on and, and, and talk a little bit more about this idea about whether or not he can seclude or not, you know. Uh, the Gemara is going to go on and get into a discussion about whether or not he is allowed to retract the warning or not retract the warning. Um, and I think it's an interesting question because I think there is ultimately a danger in the possibility of being allowed to retract. And I think somewhat of what the Gemara is struggling with is like, do you want this couple to reconcile once that accusation has been made? Or do you not want them to reconcile? And I think this carries through the, to the next discussion, uh, which goes on about, you know, them having to be accompanied by Tamidei Chachamim, right? You know, to make sure that they don't have a sexual encounter, which then she would not be allowed to drink the Sota. Like, in other words, once drink the soda waters, like once that gets rolling and they're on their way to Yerushalayim, we sort of just like have to see it through. Um, and again, I think the reason for that is, is because if there's a possibility of retraction, I think in a way that can be much more dangerous 
for these types of relationships. I find the subjective factor here fascinating. Um, you know, the ways in which this could be carried out in different, it's spelled out so, you know, with such directive. And then the application of it, I feel like, becomes much more subjective in practice, which probably is a good thing, right? It makes sense. It's just an interesting, it's always interesting when you see those, like, how the law is going to play out in different cases, dependent on those on the nature of those cases. Right. And I, I think, you know, this is an area of halacha, which is difficult because on the one, well, I think you see the tension around halacha. Because on the one hand, halacha is there to tell you it's okay or it's not okay. It's very black and white. But here you're creating a set of halacha around emotions. Is the husband jealous? Is he not jealous? Does he want to reconcile? Does he not want to reconcile? You know? And can he change his mind? Can he change his mind? You know? And I, I think it's very interesting. Like, I think that's why this is complicated because how do you create a black and white system of halacha, right? The bottom line answer question with halacha is, is it usr? Is it, you know, is it, is it mutar? Is it patur? Are you like, you know what I mean? It, it's a one word answer. It's a yes or no. Now we may say it's a yes, you know, it's patur under these, these circumstances. It's asur under these circumstances. There may be qualifications, but it ultimately becomes black and white. It's very difficult with emotional issues to make something that objective. I feel like maybe this is one of the reasons that I do love halacha just so much is that it's not always black and white. And there's like, we, you expect a legal system to be black and white like that, but really, really look at this, right? Like it's not at all black and white and, and couldn't possibly be if it's going to be that kind of blueprint for our lives because it would be too harsh or would be the misapplication of halacha too often if it weren't given this ability to address nuance. And I know well, people sometimes have it in nuance. halacha. Right. Yeah, so exactly. And humans have emotion. I think it's very highlighted in the case of Sota. And and for all that Sota itself is such a difficult area of halacha, right? We've talked about that already. But the fact that this is where we see true gray air, you know, how to deal with the gray issues, I feel like there's a lot of beauty here for me in a legal system that that allows for compassion and changing minds and and even the woman herself can change her mind right if she comes to that point and says i'm not going to i'm not going to go ahead with drinking after all you know until that point when the water, the name dissolves so i feel like i don't know there's there's a lot more to unpack here that's our DAP discussion for the day rank us review us on all major podcasts thank you to revenue michelle farber for hosting us on the hydrum website let us know what you thought about this stop on our Talking Time on Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.